that's when like the guilt kind of set in and I kind of realized that this was probably a little bit more serious than I had realized. Um, and I didn't, no one knew about my eating disorder. No one, no one knew that literally my mind, 95% of my entire day was based around thoughts about like food and my body. And I couldn't walk past a mirror without like looking in it, you know, like body checking or I, you know, I was not intuitive whatsoever. I didn't listen to my hunger cues. I, it was just, it was bad. I was in a very dark place. I wasn't myself mentally. I had no energy. My hair was falling out. Um, I just felt like crap and I didn't feel like myself. And I was like, you know, if I'm going to get better, even if it's not for me, I'm going to do it for Thomas. Cause after everything he's been through, I just watched him cheat death. And yet I'm doing this to myself, if that makes sense. Hi there, and welcome to the Let's Thrive podcast. My name is Emily Feichels, and I started this page to inspire, educate, and empower any who listen. Like most people, I'm a curious soul and love to chat with my guests on all things health, wellness, spirituality, entrepreneurship, and so much more. I hope you'll stick around for a time or two. And with that said, let's thrive. Hello, and welcome back to the Let's Thrive podcast. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and I'm happy as always to have you here listening to me ramble on and interview some amazing guests. So first off, I think we need a public service announcement that it is mid-November, at least when this comes out. I mean, that's insane. I remember when it was, heck, July, and then August, and then September, and then October, and then now it's November, and obviously next is December, and then it's 2020. How, what, how, why? I'm... I'm happy, you know, because I love the holiday season, but at the same time, I'm also upset, if that makes sense. Just because, I mean, on one hand, like I said, things are great. It's the holiday season. Yay. But at the same time, I'm a little upset, if I'm being honest, because I just thought that I'd, I don't know, get more done. Like, get farther along in my plans that I have for the podcast and things I'm, other secret projects (laughs) I'm working on, and I don't know, but at the same time, I'm like, well, cut yourself some slack and look at what you have done, and I think the main issue is that I get so wrapped up in my issues that sometimes it's like my eyes glaze over and I miss out on what matters, so it's like, okay, well, my stomach's upset today, well, guess what? I'm not going to remember anything I did today because all day, like most of my mind set, mind space is taken up by the fact that my stomach is upset. Or, you know, if I'm worried about something, then that takes over and I'm missing out on the little things like the phone call I had with, you know, a family member or this funny thing that my cat did or having dinner with my brother and my dad. Like, I don't know. And I feel like that's why time goes so quickly because it's like you're just living each day without realizing it. And something else I've realized, and okay, well, I didn't, I don't know. It was listening back to today's episode, which we'll get to in a hot second. I just realized that like, I don't know. I think I need to quit focusing so much on the past, if that makes sense. So for instance, today's guest, Danny, we have a lot in common. And before we started recording, we were chatting a bit and I just got so excited because she is so neat and we have a lot in common 
and we just clicked like we connected so well and so when we started talking I don't know it's almost as though I forget that we're in an interview where I want things to be focused on the guest I mean you guys know I talk in my interviews a lot but I feel like in this one I talk a bit more than I'd like to if that makes sense and I think it's because of the fact that I felt so safe with Danny. And so when we were, when she was discussing things on her side, I would just want to like contribute my side. Do you know what I mean? And so like in this, we talk a lot about cancer. And so of course, like I bring up my experience with it. And I don't know, afterwards listening back to it, I just don't want you guys to think that I'm, I don't know, trying to butt into the conversation that I'm having. <laughs> I just, I don't know, I really want these interviews to be helpful for you guys, and so that's why I try to center them around my guest, and I just, I don't know, I'll, I'll quit rambling now, but I just wanted to apologize. If I'm talking, like, extra in this episode, or it just seems unnecessary, my bad. I just, like, really connected with Danny and wanted to share equally. Like, we are both sharing very vulnerably, so yeah. Okay, I'm done now. I hope that didn't bore you <laughs> to death, but I had to get that off my chest. If I say things out loud into this microphone for you all to hear, somehow it makes it all better. So, moving on to the good stuff. Today's guest, my dear friend Danny from the Instagram you should know and love, <laughs> at Danny's Healthy Eats, is she is on the podcast, and wow, I just have to say this woman is next level. She's been through so much and not discrediting anything that anyone else has been through, but she, Danny has been through a lot and it has taught her a lot, which is why I'm so excited to dive into the conversation. So she walks us through the beginning of her journey, which really began with a toxic relationship that over time contributed, along with other things, to her start with disordered eating and just bad relationship to health, if you want to say it that way. This captivated her life for quite a while until eventually she got out of that relationship and met the love of her life, whom she's still with, through an Instagram DM as they bonded over skateboarding. I told you, this woman has done it all. And that begins the next journey of her life. So as her and Thomas are new and young in love, he suddenly was diagnosed with a very rare form of cancer and it's scary listening to her explain it because as you know some of you know and as you'll hear in this episode I have my own experience of watching others go through cancer and so that word scares me and so it's hearing about this I mean he was I think 20 or 21 hearing about a guy that young being diagnosed with this insane form of cancer just broke my dang heart and I mean it just gets you know more intense as she shares the journey they went through together as a new couple going through chemo and you know she helped support him and financially and emotionally and she I mean she just gave her life to help healing him and they have the most beautiful relationship because of it but you know what's really beautiful is that you know, her disordered eating, okay, well, it's not beautiful, but the outcome is beautiful. You'll see what I mean. When Thomas is diagnosed, you'll hear how her disordered eating shifted into something else, and this something else actually took her 
you know, even deeper down the rabbit hole, so to speak. And you'll hear her explain this. And so in this, we discuss, you know, conquering food fears and how to get yourself back in the habit of just trusting the food you eat, if that makes sense. So being able to go out to dinner somewhere and not have a panic attack over what am I going to eat or having someone else cook for you or, you know, eating foods that before scared you or triggered you. And in this, we discuss just, you know, living through trauma and living through pain and coming out of it a better person than you were when you went into the oftentimes painful or hard to deal with lesson that life is throwing at you. Overall, Danny is just a wise soul and a young body. She's such a beautiful light in this world. And, you know, on her Instagram, she shares delicious recipes, but each caption has a snippet of just beautiful life (laughs) wisdom in it. And I think this interview really shows a new side to her that many people don't get to see. And that's, that's a beautiful thing. That's what I'm here to do. I'm here to show you guys the people that have so much to offer and give to this world. So I really hope you enjoy it. And if you want to find more of Danny and her delicious eats, you can find her on Instagram at Danny's Healthy Eats. And you can find me at thrive underscore on life. If you listen, please share a screenshot, tag us both or message us. It helps so much to just hear your feedback on the show. And the guests get so giddy when you guys tell them you're listening. Like it makes their day. They always message me and they're like, look at these messages people are sending me. And that makes me happy to see them so happy that you are so happy with the episode. Lots of happiness going all around. And in this, since I'm so grateful for all of you that have left rate and reviews, and I'd like to have even more if you're willing to give one, I'm hosting a big giveaway on, well, the details will be on my Instagram at thrive underscore on life. All you do is go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts and leave a rate or review for this podcast, the Let's Thrive Podcast, and you'll be entered to win a box of goods. So I'll be keeping an eye out and I'll see every time someone adds a new review or rate and then I'll enter you into a little thing and this will run for, I think, two or three weeks. I'll keep you posted in each episode. And I mean, this box is going to be big and it's going to include everything from mushroom coffee to different herbal supplements, nothing like intense, just day-to-day energy boost, uh, sleep boost, things like those, a focus aid. There will be snack bars and Four Sigmatic superfood tonics and skincare and maybe even some pasta and protein powder. Like I'm, I'm throwing it all in there. And if you go on my Instagram, you'll see what all exactly is in there. And it's just a way of thanking you for taking just a few minutes to leave a rate and review that helps me so much. Now, without further ado, let's jump into today's episode with Danny. I'm so thankful that you agreed to do this. And yeah, I just, I think it'll be a lot of fun and people will just take so much from you. Like you're just so inspiring. So I just, oh, I can't stop. wait. It's so funny because I've gotten, I think only like two other people have ever asked me to be on their podcast and I've always turned it down because I've, I don't I don't know if it's just. I'm not shy, but I almost, I feel kind of shy when it comes to like just speaking and having like attention on me. I'm not, I just don't handle it very well. But when you asked me, I was like, I have to, it just felt, I don't know. So I don't know. I'm I'm excited. No, good. Yeah. I'm, I'm so happy. And 
Well, I always like to ask people, when did you start your account? Because it is flourishing. It is doing so good. So when did you start it? And like, why was, why did you want to, what pulled you to start one? Honestly, my boyfriend was the one that convinced me to start it. I, I got really into like baking healthy treats and I would share them with everybody. And I was super passionate about using like whole food ingredients and just like the health. I don't know. I wanted people to realize that like you can still have like decadent treats while not having to feel not necessarily guilty about them, but feeling good about what you're putting in your body, especially coming from like a holistic nutrition background. I'm really passionate about making sure we fuel ourselves. Um, and so he had, I'd always talked to him about like the accounts that I would follow. And he was like, you just need to start your own. And I was like, no, there's no way. No one would, you know, want to see my stuff. No one would follow it, whatever. Um, and one day I was just like, you know, I'm going to give it a shot. And I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell friends, family. I didn't even tell Thomas. And I, I remember I got like 200 followers and I don't care about the followers, but I was finally like ready to tell him and he was so excited and he was like, I don't know why you like would hide that from me and not tell your friends and have the support. But honestly, just up until like a month ago, I didn't even like my friends or my family to know. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't say it was like embarrassment, but again, coming back to just being a little bit shy, I was kind of afraid of like the judgment or what people would think. And, um, now I'm super open about it. I don't really care. One of my friends actually messaged me and she was like, you have a little foodie Instagram. And I was like, yes. And she, I was like, how did you know? And she was like, I saw you on the explore page. And I was like, oh no, but I don't know. I just embrace it now. And I never expected it to grow or to, um, you know, become what it is today, but I'm super thankful for it. And I'm so passionate about it. And, um, you know, it's still just my hobby, it takes up like all of my free time, but I'm so happy about that. So I don't really care. The only struggle is like constantly having treats in my freezer and having to practice like that self-control because your girl is still working on that one. <laughs> oh, I, I feel that. <laughs> I think like what's so amazing about your recipes is, well, in every like post you have like an inspirational tidbit that someone can take away. And then you have these insanely delicious <laughs> foods. So did you always have such a like carefree and loving and just enjoying food attitude towards it? Or was that something that you had to work towards? Oh no, it has been a journey. And that was another reason why I think I didn't want like friends and family to see my account because once I started talking a little bit about my own relationship with like food and um, you know, I've recently talked more and more about like recovering from my eating disorder and just my disordered relationship with food in general. Um, I didn't want friends and family to really know or to worry or to, you know, comment because it's, it's hard enough, you know, in the recovery process. And I didn't want that stress on me. And I also didn't want to stress them out. Um, just recently, I've actually been open with my friends and my family about my whole journey. And so I, like I said, I'm totally okay with them following it now, but yeah, at first it was never a platform that I wanted to use to talk about that kind of stuff. It just kind of came about. Um, and I started getting messages from girls telling me how much they related and how they were going through the same thing and how finding my account and just reading me being vulnerable and honest and just really raw about 
my whole journey, um, how much it's helped them and how it's kind of been a light at the end of the tunnel for them. And I wish I had that through the depths of like my own struggles. Um, so that just kind of like fueled my fire to keep talking about it and keep being honest. And it actually totally like took my nutrition business in a whole other direction as well, because now I prefer to work with girls who have come from disordered eating pasts rather than just, I mean, I'll work with anybody, but you know what I mean? I, it's just, I'm so passionate about it now. So. I love that. So when would you say that like the disordered behaviors or just thoughts about food started? Was there something in your life that triggered it? What time of, you know, what, what, part of your timeline of your life, did it really start up for you? So I was in an eight year relationship. Um, I met him when I was like 14. Um, and we dated off and on until I was, oh gosh, like 22, I think. Um, and it, it was very toxic. I, he made me feel very inadequate. I never felt like I was enough. Um, and I hate to put that I'm not blaming it on him, but I definitely think that's where a lot of my self-esteem issues came from. And that's kind of when my eating disorder kind of just started and it wasn't ever intense. And I never thought it was an eating disorder because it wasn't something that was consistent. It wasn't something that I practiced all the time. It wasn't, it, I don't know, but an eating disorder is an eating disorder. Um, so I was in high school. I remember I was probably a sophomore or a junior and I had purged for the first time. Um, and like I said, it wasn't all the time, but it was definitely consistent and became more consistent. Um, and that was the, the gist of it at that point in time. It was just purging. Um, and then I relieved myself from that relationship and things got better. And I actually met Thomas. Oh, I mean, soon after that. And he made me feel amazing about myself. And I, I have to preface and say that I don't think that our feelings of ourselves should be based on relationships or on men or anything like that. But he helped me definitely get out of the depths of the really low places that I was in and how I felt about myself. I've always been very hard on myself, whether it's in work, when I was in school, in my hobbies, I play a lot. I do a lot of like sports, like I skateboard and I like to surf and I paint and I have all of these things that I love to do, but I'm so hard on myself. And so obviously body image was a huge part of that. Um, but anyways, yeah, Thomas made me feel great about myself. And I almost thought that my ED had kind of just like gone away. Um, and then a year into dating him. So I'd gone a year, it was about a year that I went without, you know, purging or having my ED voice there. Um, he was diagnosed with a really rare form of cancer and he had no family over here on the West coast. All his family was on the East coast. He didn't have, you know, like a cousin, nothing. And so it was kind of just all put on me. Um, I was working two jobs. I was going to school and then I was sleeping on a cot in the hospital room while he was getting treatment five days at a time. And, um, I was just finishing up my holistic nutrition certification. And, um, I just, I wanted to help his recovery and I wanted to help make treatment easier on him. And I knew that holistic medicine and just holistic practices in general could 
do that for him. And so we started taking like his diet very seriously. And I mean, we wouldn't eat anything that like I didn't make personally. If I didn't know what the ingredients were, I wouldn't touch it. I wouldn't let him touch it. And I think that looking back now, I regret that because I think I caused him more stress than anything because literally I would like smack anything out of his hands that I'm like, Thomas, you don't know where that's from. Um, And that's when the ED kind of like snuck its way back in in a different way. Um, I would consider myself being orthorexic and having like an obsession with like healthy, like clean foods. Um, And I became so obsessed that I, my diet became so restrictive. Um, And I think that on top of like all of the stress that I was dealing with, um, financially supporting someone through chemo is not easy. Um, Mentally supporting someone through chemo is not easy. And I don't know, I just, everything was kind of spiraling down. And I think that like my diet and nutrition and wellness was like the one thing that I had control over. And so I just like grasped it with everything and was, you know, just taking the reins and took it a little bit too far. Um, So yeah, so I was obsessed with healthy food. um, And then I became very restrictive. And I don't know, I was thinking about this the other day, I don't really know when the restrictive restrictive habits kind of came into play, but they definitely did. Um, I don't want to like be triggering to anything, but I will say that I'm, I'm a small human. I'm only like five, three. Um, and I, I, I dropped about 25 pounds. So on a frame that's, you know, my stature and I was never, you know, in a, a bigger body to begin with, like that is kind of a concerning amount of weight to lose. Um, and yeah, friends and family started to ask questions and I'd kind of just like always push it off. And then Thomas started to ask questions and that's when, I don't know, I, that's when like the guilt kind of set in and I kind of realized that this was probably a little bit more serious than I had realized. Um, and I didn't, no one knew about my eating disorder. No one, no one knew that literally my mind, 95% of my entire day was based around thoughts about like food and my body. And I couldn't walk past a mirror without like looking in it, you know, like body checking or I, you know, I was not intuitive whatsoever. I didn't listen to my hunger cues. I, it was just, it was bad. I was in a very dark place. I wasn't myself mentally. I had no energy. My hair was falling out. Um, I just felt like crap and I didn't feel like myself. And I was like, you know, if I'm going to get better, even if it's not for me, I'm going to do it for Thomas because after everything he's been through, I just watched him cheat death. And yet I'm doing this to myself, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, it's definitely been a journey. I'm at a good place now and I'm happy and healthy and I'm happy that I can use my story to kind of shed light onto others. And yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I- that was super rambly and long, but no, that was, that was what I was looking for. Cause I knew I mean, I, I knew a bit about your past, so I figured there was something that definitely triggered it. And I know just from talking with so many others and for myself especially, that oftentimes it is something of looking for control, something mm-hmm. you know, like we're afraid of something, we're afraid of death, we're afraid of the unknown. And that eating disorder place is a comfortable control factor, as you mentioned. And it's I mean, so weird. Yeah. I I always say I'm like this is such a, if you've never been through like disordered eating, it's kind of hard to understand, but your eating disorder is almost like your best friend. 
and it's it's a voice that's there 24 seven and it's just up to you whether or not you let it kind of like come through the doors or if you kind of keep it behind doors and sometimes you you don't have control whether it decides to make an appearance that day or not or you know and it's it's crazy it, it for a while I had you know all of the support and friends and family and Thomas and all this love and everything around me but yeah I really honestly just felt like it was just me and my eating disorder it was crazy yeah I was explaining to my like therapist the other day we were just discussing that part of my life brief briefly and she's like well how do you feel now and I explained it in a way that I had never thought of, but it made complete sense to me. I was like, I feel like before I was a shell of a person and the thoughts were able to just come in and invade and take over. So I would do things without even thinking. I would think things without, you know, it, it was, it was automatic. And I feel as though now it's like, I'm a complete human. And so like those thoughts come in, but they're, they're reflected you know, off of like my own conscious mind, my own thoughts now. And like you said, sometimes they sneak in and some days you're just overwhelmed with them. But I think that's when you know you're on the road to recovering Mm -hmm. is when you see those thoughts, you acknowledge them. And instead of letting them take you over and drag you back in, you know, like we all have those relapses, instead of letting them drag you back in, you're able to just kind of like stand up and fight them off and it's hard, but it's yeah. got to do it. And I always say it's, it's so hard to remember this, especially in those more difficult moments, but progress and recovery isn't linear. And I have to like ingrain that in my brain each and every day because I'll get, like I said, I'm very hard on myself. So if I have a bad day, I get really down on myself and I feel I, I don't know. You just kind of look at yourself and you're like, come on, Danielle, like you have so much going for you. Like, why are you letting, you know, something that ultimately, I mean, you have some sort of control over, you know, but dictate your life and how you feel about yourself. It's just, I don't know. It's a sad place to be in, but you have to realize like, again, you're going to have good days and bad days and you just have to learn to love both and realize that it's all just a part of the process and it's a part of life. And you know, you're not wrong for having a bad day and it's okay to not be okay. But yeah, that's definitely been a hard concept in my own recovery. So yeah, exactly. And I mean, I know for me personally, one of the last things I'm working through, and sometimes it still surprises me. And I'm I'm just curious to hear your two thoughts on this, but like the idea of fear foods, there are foods that I wasn't eating And for the longest time, I think I was just telling myself this narrative of, you know, they they upset my gut, they're going to set off my skin, which was true for a while because I'm recovering from like chronic illness right now. So for a while, those were factors, but now they're not. And so I've been testing myself lately. That's okay. I told you, I knew the package was going to come. That's okay. We'll just wait. Hey, come here. Rainy, come here, baby. Come here. Come here. Rainy, I'm so sorry. You're okay. Rainy, come. Hey, come here. Rainy. Rainy, come here. Hey, come on. Come on. They're gone. Let's go. Come on. Come on. Come here. Okay, I'm so sorry. You were so okay. Your dogs are so cute, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. They're menaces. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, gosh. 
so now I'm just at this place where I'm testing myself. And if I have any lingering thoughts about a food that I'm, you know, it's like, why am I not eating that? I'll eat it. And it was funny a while ago, I realized one of them was like granola. So I made myself, I didn't make myself, but I just let myself eat granola like every day in a row until I was finally able to say when I want it and when I don't want it naturally. And it's been so freeing and I've started to do that with other foods. And so I'm just curious what your experience has been with fear foods and having them pop up even when we don't realize they're still there. Oh my gosh, I cannot relate more, especially on the granola, because growing up, granola and like fruit and nut mix, those were my jam. Like I could put down an entire bag of like fruit and nut mix and not even think twice about it or realize that I even was like, it's like almost like you're in a trance, you know, and you just don't realize how much you can eat of it. But um, yeah, it's so sad because in my eating disorder, I just all of a sudden became intolerant to all of these, you know, quote unquote intolerant to all of these foods that I love, but because I was afraid that they were going to make me gain weight and, you know, you just this obsession with being in a smaller body. And yeah, I, I was just talking about this the other day because one of the biggest steps that I took in my recovery was um, I made myself a goal that once a week, Thomas and I would go out to dinner and I would order something that I typically would not order, but that I would always want because I would go out to eat and I would look at the menu and I'd literally be like, Oh, Thomas, this looks really good. You should get this. Or like, this sounds amazing. You should get this. And he'd be like, why don't you get it? And I'm like, cause I'm getting a salad or, you know? And so I would go out and I would actually order something that I actually wanted. And it was like, like you said, just so freeing. And then you wake up the next day and you're like, wow, I'm alive. I didn't, I didn't gain a million pounds. I feel great. And I'm happy. And I it was able to eat that meal and not at first, but I was able in the end to be able to eat these meals and not feel guilt around them and not feel anxiety and live in the moment. And I, I've talked about this in the past too. It's like just going out to like social outings and I would be, I would stress so much not knowing that there was going to be something that I could again, quote unquote, eat and you're just, it just takes up all of your mental capacity and then you're there and you don't make memories. And I almost can't even tell you like what happened that night because my, I was so engulfed in just like, you know, the food fears and all of that. But yeah, um, I, for me, um, it was carbs. I know a lot of people are afraid of fat and I'm over here, like I'm a nut butter connoisseur. Like I can put down some fat. Um, but for me it was carbs and I'm not going to lie. I still to this day have trouble sometimes if I feel like I've ate, like had a really carb heavy day, but it all goes back to just reminding yourself, you know, like we have to fuel our bodies and carbohydrates play such an important role in overall health in our energy levels and just everything. And, um, yeah, I think I, I literally, every time I talk about this, I get like a million thoughts going through my brain that it's hard to like, I get jumbled because I just want to like spit it all out. Um, but I wish that I had somebody there telling me like, just eat the dang rice because you're going to eat it. And then you're going to realize that it's going to have no negative effect on you. Unless something really does make you feel like crap, then by all means do not have it. But if it doesn't, make you feel badly, just enjoy it. If you want it, enjoy it. And for me, again, with like the, I mean, I guess this plays sort of into food fears, but I would never allow myself to snack. Like 
if I was hungry in between meals, it didn't matter. I would just chug water and I would wait until like lunchtime or, you know, in between like lunch and dinner, if I was hungry, I like, I just would not let myself eat. And then one day I was like, you know what, I'm going to let myself have a snack. And I did. And I felt great. And then there was no negative consequences. And then the next day I had a snack again. And then the next day I had two snacks. And then, you know, a week or two goes by and you sit back and you're like, I was depriving myself of a dang snack for years. And look at me now. Like it's done literally nothing. My body hasn't changed because I allow myself to snack. If anything, I feel better. I have more energy. I'm not grumpy because hanger is, hanger is a real thing. <laughs> so yeah, the food fears, I'm not going to lie. I think that that's one of the hardest parts about eating disorder recovery, because I think that for me personally, I can't speak on everybody else and like their own journeys, but for me, it's still something that tends to pop up every now and then. Um, but again, like we're always a work in progress, but I've come so far and, um, it, like you had mentioned, it is, it's so easy to self-diagnose these like intolerances and these like food allergies and, you know, especially with social media. Um, but yeah, it's just, I don't know. I can't explain how much better I feel now and how much happier I am. And yeah, just inside and out. I love that. Yeah. And it sounds as well that Thomas has been a huge inspiration along the way and a help. So do you mind sharing like you guys, how you met and where your relationship started? Yeah, it's a funny story. We actually met through skateboarding. Um, he, I hate saying this, but he slid into the DMs. Um, <laughs> he, I had, there was like a skateboard video that had gotten posted um, through like mutual friends. And I saw like his part in it. And I was like, wow, this guy's really good. I'm going to follow him. And one thing led to another. And it's actually a crazy story because we have so many mutual friends and we never crossed paths. So we would actually like skate, we had the same like home skate park in our city and we never saw each other there, but yeah, I would be there like almost every day. Um, like I said, we had mutual friends yet. We were never over at like our friends' houses at the same time because this entire time I was in a relationship. So I didn't meet Thomas literally until I got out of that relationship, that toxic relationship. So we always just say like, we think it was meant to be as corny as that sounds. Cause it's like, we had all these opportunities to meet and we never did until that toxic relationship ended for me. And then he always says that he thinks everything happens for a reason, especially in terms of like his cancer diagnosis, because he wasn't diagnosed until he met me. And before he met me, he, he was kind of going through like a little bit of a depression and, um, his dad was like in Iraq and, um, like I said, like his sisters all live in different states and he had no family here and he was kind of living from like house to house. And um, if he would have gotten diagnosed before he met me, he probably wouldn't have had any sort of support. And so it, it just, it's so crazy when you look back and you're like, dang, everything really does kind of happen for a reason and falls into place like when it's supposed to fall into place. Um, but yeah, I have to say it's crazy because my eating disorder was the worst after he had come into my life, but he is kind of what pulled me out of it and got me to where I am today. So yeah, he's, it's been a blessing and I, 
I always say too, this is so strange, but I think that his cancer diagnosis has also been a blessing um, because we look at life so differently now and I have such a new appreciation for life. And I think that's another thing that pulled me from the depths of like my eating disorder is reminding myself every day, like you're lucky that you even get to wake up and be alive. Um, and we actually, it's crazy today. It's his birthday, but, um, Thomas's cancer was so rare that less than one in a million are diagnosed with it. And you're, it's even more rare to be diagnosed with his specific type of cancer if you're over the age of 20. And he was diagnosed the day of his 21st birthday. So it's an incredibly rare form of cancer. And the day that he found out that he was cancer free, his best friend was walking into an appointment to get told that he had that exact same type of cancer. And the doctors at the Seattle Cancer Care Alliance were like, this statistically is not possible. There's no way that two people in, in like our area could have that exact type of cancer, let alone two best friends. And um, so it was really hard for Thomas to go through like his whole journey and then having to watch his best friend go through it because he knew, you know, the struggles of just chemo and treatment and all that comes with cancer. Um, but we actually lost his best friend in um, the end of February, like beginning of March. And today is his birthday. And so waking up today was really hard, especially on Thomas. And um, we're actually going to celebrate him tonight, which we're really excited about. But I, I kind of talk about him a little bit every now and then. But he is definitely my fuel to keep going every day. And with the eating disorder aside, um, just to live a positive lifestyle and to be grateful and thankful for everything. Like, I don't want to sound cliche, but from the littlest things, like, you know, I wake up and I have feet that allow me to walk and I have hands that allow me to brush my teeth and I can talk and I can see and I can hear. And I just imagine if you didn't have any of those senses, you know? And so, yeah, I, I, I would never wish what I've gone through on anybody else. But at the same time, I'm so thankful because it's definitely made me who I am and made me a more, just a better person all around. Oh, I've, I had chills during that. I, I mean, I relate. And then also just the, you know, how things play out in life. Sometimes it's just like, you have to stop and say like, is this even, like what's even happening right now? And exactly. I feel that like cancer is, I mean, any terminal, you know, chronic illness, any, anything that, you know, it's a trauma and it's horrible. But I mean, I know for I, me personally, like I, I lost my mom to cancer and it was like three. Oh my gosh. I didn't know that. Yeah. It, it, I was, it was when I was like a kid and she had breast cancer and then as she was getting treated for that, there was um, a nurse at her, her, her hospital and he was like using the needles and she got hepatitis C as well as oh a bunch of Oh my gosh. So that developed into liver cancer and she passed away. But then the crazy thing was that from her passing is when I went into control mode and got my eating disorder, which lasted like eight years. Okay. So our, our stories are so similar. That's crazy. And then it was even more crazy because because of my disordered eating and because of the fact that I'm just like so in tune with my body like I'm so 
you know, focused on my health and just enjoying life that I knew something was off. So I kept pushing my doctors that I didn't feel right. I didn't feel right. And eventually after years of this, we found out I had hepatitis C, but it was chronic because I'd had it for so long since her death. Like I I must've gotten it somehow from her. I think because I, the one time used an old razor of hers without realizing that was a big no as a kid. Oh no. But, um, so it's crazy. Cause like you said, I had someone put it in perspective for me. They said, like, if your mom had not passed away, you would not have, you would not be as intuitive as you are. And your hepatitis C would have gone on for long enough where my liver would be damaged, which it's not now. And, you know, I, I caught it at the time I did because of her death and because like, I don't know, like that just taught me so much about my body and like wanting to be healthy. So it's, it's so crazy. And I know no one going through those times wants to hear like, this might be a blessing in disguise for you, but exactly, it, it might be like, it might actually be. But it's not hard. only that, but yeah, and it's so hard, like in the moment to not feel sorry for yourself and to not feel like the pity and it, like you said to you never think that you're gonna be like okay I'm gonna be able to like take this situation and this experience and like use it for the better but you like you experiencing that and having hepatitis C like you are probably such an inspiration to other girls who feel alone especially younger girls who have it and where they yeah, they just don't feel like there's any hope or they feel like something's wrong with them or, you know, and it's like, you're like that light for them to show like, Hey, like this isn't the end of the world. And, you know, I mean, I kind of feel the same for me. It's like cancer is such a scary effed up thing, but at the same time, it's like, it's so common nowadays that I don't know. It's just, I don't ever want anybody to feel alone or to be you know, to live in fear or I don't know. I get so passionate about it. I feel like I'm going to cry right now. I just, I don't know. I want to be like, even though I've never personally physically gone through it, I feel mentally, I just, I don't know. I want to do anything I can to just make others feel like, you know, it's, it's not going to be the end of the world. And, you know, you're, you can push through anything and whether it's disease or, a mental illness or an eating disorder or, you know, et cetera, whatever. There's, there's always the light at the end of the tunnel. And it, I, I totally understand, like, it doesn't feel that way in the moment, but once you're able to get yourself out of that place, like it's, it's, I don't know, it's just amazing to be able to use those experiences like for the better. Yeah. And I mean, I think you have, you know, I think oftentimes people feel almost a guilt. Like when you're living alongside someone going through cancer or going through any illness, disease, it's almost a sense of you feel so upset. You're so upset. You're so sad, angry, frustrated. And, you know, I know I personally experienced this, you know, with my mom and another aunt I had, and it was, it was not survivor's guilt, but it was the idea of like, I shouldn't be feeling this way because I'm fine. And like, they're not. And, you know, I'm just curious, overall, you did such an amazing job supporting Thomas, maintaining your relationship, like maintaining the health of both of you guys, even if it was, you know, a little skewered at times. How did you find the strength to support him just like endlessly day after day through everything you guys went through? 
<laughs> Girl, I don't know. It just comes out of you. It's like those stories where you hear about like super moms where like their kids in distress and they just literally come like out of nowhere with like super woman powers. Like I remember reading a story about a woman who like lifted a car off her child or something. And I'm just like, that's humanly not possible. Like for some, you know, and I don't know. I feel like we all have this like inner strength and you just got to let it come out sometimes. Um, I don't know. I, when, when he first started treatment, the doctors actually pulled me aside because I was literally sleeping on a cot <laughs> in a hospital room, waking up at three in the morning to drive to work, to work, you know, an eight hour day to drive an hour back to the hospital to do it all over again, every single day for a year and a half. And, um, the doctors pulled me aside and they were like, you know, I just, we just want to like tell you, like, we, we don't see this often. Like we watch cancer rip marriages apart and rip relationships apart, you know, that are, you know, 30 plus years in the making. And it just, it shows a lot about your character that you are sticking by a side, but I, and, and I had only known Thomas for a year. So like we weren't together that long. Like it was like, all right, well we're all in, you know, and he hadn't, this is a funny story. I always joke with him, but he hadn't even asked me to be his girlfriend. We were kind of, it just kind of like happened. We were just dating, whatever. And so when people would start calling me his girlfriend, I'm like, well, he should probably ask me first because <laughs> this isn't that serious yet. No, I'm joking. But um, yeah, it definitely made things a lot more serious, a lot more fast. Um, but it just, having that diagnosis just showed me like how much he meant to me and what a positive light in my life that he was before the diagnosis, um, there was absolutely no way that I was going anywhere and watching his strength through that because uh, I can't even describe like for Ewing sarcoma, those cancer patients are put on the toughest chemo regimen that you can possibly be put on. They are given like the highest dosage and the most intense chemo drugs. Um, because it's a very invasive cancer. And so, I mean, he went through it. Like he, I don't even know how children survive that treatment, let alone, you know. Um, so it, I don't know. It was, I get really like jumbled going back to that place. Did you say once like he was skateboarding, like still oh, during his chemo? That's insane. Yes. Okay. So are you familiar with like Thrasher, like the skateboard? I've magazine? heard of it. Like it's familiar, but I can't, like, okay. I don't know so it, much about it. Gotcha. So it's like iconic in like the skateboard world. Well, he's actually, hopefully it's in the talks in the making. He's going to have like a video part on Thrasher and his entire video part were all clips that he filmed while he was in chemo. So he has like, he's Mr. Clean. Like he has no hair, like no energy. Most of the time people in chemo can't even walk up a flight of stairs. And he definitely had his days like that. But um, yeah, almost, I want to say like 95% of like those clips were all while he was in treatment, which is just mind blowing. And it was actually really cool because we were at a baseball game one time and someone came up to him and was like, are you Thomas Britton? And he was like, yeah. And he was like, my kid follows you on Instagram. And he's like, so inspired by you every day. And, um, he's got like a bunch of other kids that are going through cancer that like really look up to him. And it's just, I don't know. I feel so proud to be able to like call him my boyfriend and just know that like, you know, he's such a bright light to people as well and can help others going through it. And, um, yeah, go just going back to having the strength to be there, just like watching somebody go through something so hard 
it just kind of ignites your fire to be like that support system, if that makes sense. I know you probably felt the same way with your mom, like watching your mom struggle. You're like, okay, I have to be strong. You know, like if they can do this, like I can, you know, pull through and be like that support system that they need. Oh yeah, for sure. 100%. And like, even, you know, when she was sick, I'd have to go get shots. And at first I'd be scared. And then I started realizing as I got older, I was able to go to her chemo appointments and seeing her like time after time with all the needles and all the crap, I suddenly realized at this one doctor's appointment, it, like very introspective nine-year-old I was, I'm like, if mom can get like all of these shots and treatments, like I can get one little shot. And like from that day forward, like I don't mind getting shots, like blood work. And I mean, like even with my hep C, I've had to get some, like uh, some major like tests and needles and everything. But like, you know, and my dad would kind of be freaked out and I'm like, why? Like, it's, it's like a momentary thing and right. otherwise perfectly okay. And so it's, it's funny how they can teach you such strength too. Like watch, like you said, watching them go through that can, I don't know. It's just insane what these people go through. Like, and like Oh yeah. Um, I mean, I can't imagine just, I mean, uh, he- even with like his tumor removal surgery, he went through like six rounds of chemo and then had his tumor removed and his tumor was the size of a softball. So it was, it was stage three. It was huge. Um, and it was in between his, um, bladder and his pelvic bone, I think it was. And he's so lucky because typically with Ewing sarcoma, it's a bone cancer. Um, they typically have to remove part of your bone when they remove the tumor and they just were able to scrape his, and when they went in to remove it, that entire tumor was dead, which like is unheard of with that type of cancer. So the chemo like did its job. Um, and hope I like to think that like his diet played a you know a huge role into it and all that. But um, I will say that it I was I always pride myself in being a very good person even before his diagnosis, but it just ignited that even further to just understanding like you truly never know what somebody's going through and something just, I don't know. There's so much judgment these days. And it's so sad to me because like, for instance, um, after his tumor removal surgery, he had to have a drainage tube. This is kind of like gross. I'm sorry. But so he had a tube that went into his stomach and then it, there, it came out of his stomach and then it drained into this little sack that he had to literally wear like clipped to his pants. And we called it his blood sack because it was like this clear like sack and it would, his blood would literally just drain into it. And it was, oh my God, it was so disgusting. And there was no way of hiding it, you know? And it was like during the winter, so he'd wear jackets and like try and hide it. But there was a couple of times that we were like out and about in public and people would like stare at him and like give him dirty looks and just like look at him like like disgusted and I'm like you have no idea what he's going through first of all second of all like he never asked for this nobody ever asks for this and like I don't know if you knew I don't know it's just it's so hard for me or like he would get messages on Instagram literally people would just respond and be like chemo's gonna kill you before the cancer does and just just internet trolls you know just disgusting comments and it's like I don't know. So that further just fueled me to just be like the best, most kindest human that I can be because that they're just too far, you yep. know, too, too, yeah. too far, too few these days. So, yeah. And it's, it's just like you said, so much judgment. Someone looks at them and they're like, Oh, what did he do? You know, like 
is he a druggie? You know what I mean? Like there's so many exactly. thoughts that we go to. And like, even me with my hep C, I got some, I got some, you know, messages just because there is such a stigma attached to it mm-hmm. and how you typically get it. And I'm like, look, if you were to stop your judging and ask me, you would understand the very like not typical way that I got it. And the fact that I'm like actually a pretty decent human being. So yeah, it's just like, oh, we just need to remove the judgment. Like if you're curious, ask a question and then form your opinion. Don't just jump to the judgment. And I know, I mean, I still judge in some cases, not usually on human beings, but um, I don't know. I think we all, I think that's just, you know, part of being human. Exactly. It's a constant work. And I don't know. I mean, as long as you're not being a nasty troll, like don't cause someone physical harm. Like keep your judgments to yourself, if nothing else. Like don't, don't go putting them on somebody. So I, I feel that too. I just, that's horrible though, that someone like him had to face that, you know, even not being in too much of the public eye. So, uh. Well, I think that people, they just feel so entitled these days that their opinions, yeah, everyone's opinions matter, but not your opinion on somebody else. Like what, what is that doing? You know? And I know, especially in like the depths of my eating disorder, like the comments were very triggering and very hard to deal with. And you just, you hear it so much that you're kind of just like, you feel like you're going to burst sometimes and you feel like you're going to snap because it's like, okay, can, can everyone just like stop talking about me for a second? You know? And I remember I, I worked at a, like a coffee shop cafe and this guy came in and he made a comment about how thin I was. And I just kind of like shoved it off and he goes, well, I see it all the time. I work with, um, meth addicts. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, what are you trying to say? Like, first of all, I don't understand why any man feels the right to make any comment about a woman's appearance or body, you know? And secondly, like that, that really hurt because you have no idea what I'm going through mentally. You have no idea, you know, my past or, you know, I don't exactly. know. Just, no. Yeah. It's first off. Yeah. They have no place to say that in the first place. And second, it's just to jump to a conclusion like that is horrendous and I am not a confrontational person, but at that moment, I was like, this guy might get the hands right now. <laughs> Honestly, like, there's some moments, like, if I'm confronted, I either, like, break down crying, or I just become, like, a bad bitch. Like, don't mess yeah. with me. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I'm the next, I'm gonna be on Bad Girls Club, watch out. Yeah. That's so funny. You know, overall, we've discussed this quite a bit, but what would you say that your entire journey with surviving an eating disorder, surviving the trauma of Thomas and his cancer, like, what would you say the biggest life lesson you've learned has been? Oh my gosh. I know it's just so broad and kind of like cliche, but just appreciate life and practice gratefulness. Um, just because those have been so important in like my own life and my own journey. Um, being grateful, like I said, for just being alive and having everything that I have and always knowing like someone always has less than you, you know, someone's always suffering more than you are, even though it doesn't feel like that sometimes. And it's so easy to fall into like that trap. Um, so I would definitely say those are like the biggest lessons for me. And then in, specifically in terms of like health and wellness and my eating disorder and social media, don't fall into the comparison trap because that is huge. And I know 
I don't care who says that they don't compare. Everybody compares themselves. It's such an easy thing to fall into, whether you're comparing your work ethic or your success in something or your abilities and your skills in something or, you know, your Instagram account or, you know, just like just anything in any aspect of your life. It's so easy to do, but you're only limiting yourself. You're limiting, you know, your just the your possibility possibilities are endless and you're just limiting yourself when you fall into that trap. And I know that's something that I've been working really hard to preach on to others as well as, you know, how boring would life be if we were all the same? Like it'd be really boring. Oh, it would be. I know. I, I mean, I get, we all look the same. Like I don't want to look at the same person every, you know, every time I walk past somebody, I wouldn't want them all to look the same. Like, I don't know. I just, I think that's a huge one. And I see so many girls like just so hard on themselves because of it. And it's especially with social media, because we know that that stuff's not always real and it's a highlight reel. And, you know, so I definitely think that that's a huge one as well. I, I'd have to agree very much so. And I, I was curious, I meant to ask this earlier, but you know, now that Thomas is, you know, his health, he's in a much better place. Like, how do you guys manage your relationship now? Did, does it feel different now that he's, you know, he, you were with him at his probably worst and, you know, now you're with him after that. So like, how has the relationship shifted at all? And if, you know, like either way, how do you guys manage just like such a strong and healthy relationship in like the day-to-day moments? We always joke. We're like, all right, well, we're stuck together forever because <laughs> like, we've been through the hardest thing that we can possibly go through. Um, no, our relationship is completely 110% different and in some ways good, in some ways bad. Um, I just try to focus on the good, um, but it's inevitable. I mean, he can admit it too. Chemo, it chemically changes your brain. So it's really hard for him to talk about, but like, he's not the same person as he was before. He's still like the loving, caring, funny, you know, great person, but he, he is different. He, you know, has a little bit of a temper and he's like, he bottles things up and it's very hard for him to like talk about things because he feels like he's putting like his stress onto others. And if he has like a bad day where like, I, I can't imagine, like I already have the fears cause it's just natural, but to have physically went through it and to have the fear of reoccurrences and, you know, just in like your data, like that's something that it's always going to be in the back of your mind, no matter how positive you are. Um, I can't imagine living with that stress every day on top of every, you know, every day-to-day stresses. So I, I try to be very patient. Patience is definitely something that we like consistently work on and just trying to be like as open and honest with each other as we can. If he has like a bad day, like, and kind of to touch back on like what you said about survivor's guilt, watching your best friend die from a disease that you beat the same exact specific type of disease, like that survivor's guilt. I, I mean, I, I don't even know how he got up for work this morning, knowing that it was like his birthday and, because last night he was really emotional about it. And it was just, it's been a hard week. Um, but, and then not only on top of that, but like his scans are next week and it'll mark two and a half years cancer free. So always leading up to his scans, things are always a little bit, I kind of feel like I have to walk on eggshells, but again, it's just adjusting. 
um, somebody gave us some really good advice one time and they said, um, things are different. You just have to learn to adjust to your new normal. And that's so true. Cause it's like our new normal, you know, it's completely different than what it was, but it's, it's normal, you know? And so just, I don't know. It's like I said, patience and, um, I mean, he cheated death and I went through like this entire fear because it's inevitable when you hear the C word, you kind of ultimately think death sentence, no matter what, it's just kind of, they just kind of correlate. And I always say like, I almost lost him. And so my appreciation and my love for him is stronger than I think love and appreciation could ever be for anyone, you know? And yeah, so that definitely plays a huge part. I I mean, he's my best friend and like my rock. So, um, yeah, it's definitely made us stronger, but like I said, it's, we've definitely had to work. It's not, it has not been a walk in the park. Mm -hmm. What's one thing that no matter how bad the day is can make you both smile, can make you both laugh, just kind of bring you back to that happy, happy place. Um, some good food. Uh, he's like he already I don't know it's so funny he'll come home after like a recipe testing day and I'm like okay Thomas I have this and this and this and you have to try them all and if he doesn't eat it I get so offended so he'll like literally stuff himself to points of like pain because I'm like no you need to try it like I need to know if it's good it's so funny but um yeah we love like going out and getting food that's always happy and then obviously like skateboarding brings us joy we actually have matching tattoos they're um they're cancer ribbons that are made into skateboards um, so that was kind of fun. And then our dogs, like we love just being outside and just being anything together and like outdoorsy. It, no matter how bad of a day I'm having, like some fresh air and some wilderness does me so much good. And he's the same exact way. So it works out perfect. And just making each, making each other laugh. Like we're just stupid together. And I think that's the best. I can just be like, I can be such a, I'm such a goofball and I can be that way around him and not feel like self-conscious or like, you know, he's not going to judge me. And so, yeah, it's, I don't know. No, I didn't ask. It, it's beautiful. You guys have, I mean, even just following you on Instagram, but after talking with you today, I just, I feel like you, yeah, you guys have, you have some deep, true love going on. That is oh, yeah. a beautiful <laughs> relationship. Uh, he stuck with me. Yeah. <laughs> People are always like, when are you going to get married? And I'm like, when he asks me to be his dang girlfriend. Like, come on, Tom, let's get it together. Yeah. He has to, he has to go there first. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so funny. Well, I love it. Where can people find you for all that delicious, like, honestly, drool-worthy desserts <sighs> and snacks and treats and all the good stuff? And just to keep, you know, updated on your journey and just the day-to-day -day life, where can they find you? Well, honestly, just my Instagram, Danny's Healthy Eats. Um, I do have my blog. I'm going to try to get better about posting, like, more blog posts on there because I get a lot of questions just about people asking me to share more of my journey. Um, but with everything going on in, like, the recent months, like, I moved states and, you know, just work, my workload and just everything, I've kind of, it's fallen to the back burner. But I want to get better about that. So my blog is just dannyshealthyeats.com. And, yeah. That's really only my two platforms, but. Perfect. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. It was yeah. a pleasure. I'm honored that you even wanted to talk to me, girl. I find it so funny that Danny ends the episode saying that she's honored I wanted to speak to her. Like, seriously, girl, I 
was like floored by the fact that she agreed to do this. I mean, I think her story is just insanely inspiring. I mean, you don't see many people her age who have already gone through that much stuff in life. And she's just such a beautiful soul. I mean, when I reached out to her, I had like all my fingers crossed that she would say yes. And then she did. And I was so beyond happy. So it just, I just find that so funny. And Danny, if you're still listening at this point, just know that I'm beyond honored that you came on the podcast and we'll have to do another one because you're just a gem to talk to. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you did, let us know. Send us a message. Danny's on Instagram at Danny's Healthy Eats. I'm on there at Thrive underscore on life. And we just would love to hear what you have to say. And don't forget, once more, there's a big giveaway going on if you leave a rate and review for the podcast. You just go on iTunes or Apple Podcast, search for Let's Thrive the Podcast, leave a rate, leave a review. I'll be keeping an eye on who's popping up and I'll enter you into the giveaway. There'll be tons of goods in there. Snack bars and Four Sigmatic and mushroom coffee and herbal supplements for focus and energy and all kinds of good stuff. I'm just going to pack it full and ship it right on off to you as a thank you. Really hope you guys like this. Keep in touch and I'll talk to you next week. Bye.